Welcome everybody to another edition of uh, Nude Podcasts, otherwise known as Nudecast. Today I'm here with Agnes Bakuz Canario. I'm guessing that's how I pronounce yeah, your name. Pretty good. Awesome, yeah, yeah. cool. So um, Agnes uh, is a Portuguese-Hungarian movement artist based in London, whose work is collaborative and multidisciplinary, always in search for ever-elusive tenderness. Um, and flows regarding uh, subjects of um, you know human relationship to money, digitality, um, institutions, borders, and water. Yeah, um, yeah thanks Agnes for okay. taking the time to speak with me today. I'm very happy to, happy to have you with us. Oh, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to be asked to be part of this and yeah, I look forward to discussing some things with you. Cool. So you've um, you've made a playlist here for us, mm-hmm. uh, featuring Amalia Rodriguez, mm-hmm. Conan Osiris, mm-hmm. Nirvana, yeah. Chopin, yeah. and Dan Baudin. Yes, yes. Uh, and I'm not gonna lie, this is a pretty excellent selection. <laughs> I feel so good about um, that. <laughs> so should we get started? Yeah, let's let's go right. Okay. In. So the first song that we have here is. Gaivota? Gaivota. Gaivota by Amalia uh, Rodriguez. Okay, so she's a. Amalia Rodriguez is a Portuguese actress? No, no, Portuguese Fadu singer. Okay. And Fadu is. I don't know if you know, but it's a style of music, sung music, if you can say that, uh, from Lisbon. Okay. and it's kind of the traditional thing that we have in Lisbon, the, the biggest thing. Mm. Yeah, and she was the most famous person in Fado. Okay. Um, yeah, and this song particularly for me is special because it talks about the sea and Portuguese connection to the sea is very, mm. as I'm sure it is with Cyprus. Yeah. Yeah, very... Um, yeah, very strong and meaningful. So it's it's you know it's your it's the first song and it's a Portuguese traditional fado fado fado. Um, so I, you know, this kind of reflects on the origins mm. that you're from. Like, um, so you're Portuguese Hungarian and yeah. you've also lived in, in Scotland. Yeah, Inverness. Yeah, near Inverness. Yeah. yeah. So all um, of these all of these are uh, water. Water place. City, yeah, water, water body. Pl- yeah, like um, you know, Lisbon is by the sea. Hungary um, is actually landlocked. Landlocked, is, yeah. But there's a massive river going yeah, through. Yeah, a Budapest. massive river and a huge lake. Yeah, um, and then obviously Inverness is like the northeast uh, coast of uh, of Scotland as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm guessing you know, water is a a big part a big of my a life. big part. Yeah. Yeah, and I, absolutely. Do you feel as if uh, it also formulates a lot of your practice, having been born near the coast or living near the coast or living near water. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of the first things that kind of kicked off yeah. this inquiry into water and this project was kind of realizing actually my involvement in all these water world, watery worlds or mm. whatever and uh, how, much em- how much emotionally I'm attached to it. and specifically in Lisbon and in Portugal, it is a huge part of our lives there. And as you can see by this song as well, is part of our history and 
part of our daily lives as well. Right now. Well, um, um, I was gonna ask actually, um, how, what kind of years were you in Lisbon? Like, mm-hmm. what ages did you spend? Most of your time yeah, in Lisbon yeah. and Vernas and then uh, Booker, Bud- Budapest? Budapest, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I was born in Lisbon and I grew up there until I was 14. Mm. And for many years I was going to... I was going to Budapest as like kind of summer holidays. Yeah. Um, so that was my only kind of relationship with Budapest. And when I was 14... <laughs> Sorry. When I was 14, I moved to the Highlands of Scotland, mm-hmm. um, which was like a complete different shift in everything. Um, but as a teenager, you don't really realize. You kind of just go along with it. Um, and then from then, I moved to England as well to study. Mm-hmm. And Budapest is actually just a very recent thing. Uh, I spent eight months there, kind of trying to deepen my practice and my technique and okay. stuff. Alright, yeah. you recently had a residency in Bucharest, if, uh, still, mm-hmm. uh, you did a project there called uh, Still Water uh, Runs Run Deep. Deep. Yeah. So what was, uh, what was that all about? Um, so that was, um, that was a solo performance of, of my work, um, and how should I explain it? So I was invited by a group of curators to, to come and perform in this sort of gathering called the uh, Undisciplined or I think it's called, it's, it's in Romanian so mm-hmm. I'm not really sure but Undisciplined or Decentralized and okay. it's basically uh, a series uh, that try to not academ- academicize, like make too much academic something. Okay. So like, uh, this is another Portuguese artist. This is Conan Osiris? Yeah. How is the name? Because I only read it as Cellulite, but I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, so I think he makes a play in words and it's Cellulitis, or like the fear of having cellulite or okay. something like that. Okay. I think it's a, a joke. Yeah, Siluti. Cellulitis. Cellulitis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I was telling you about the residency. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the residency. So, um, yeah, basically, I was invited to perform in this kind of um, I don't know what you call it, like a program. Yeah, program. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. A program of like they basically invite artists that are able to, so they kind of commission you to do to respond to their idea of was it quite collaborative then with the other people that were in the residency as well um yeah it, it was collaborative i mean my work was kind of done before i went there mm. as well mm. um but what i really enjoyed about spending time there was yeah this really supportive environment yeah um yeah this really supportive environment and critical as well but in a really essential way like not in, in a, an open yeah yeah okay. not comp- it's completely different from london okay like it, yeah if anyone's listening yeah go to bucharest yeah it's amazing yeah um so yeah. like london 
another like you know city with a massive river running through the river Thames. Yeah. Um, like, do you find it different than the other water? Like, how is living in London mm. for you? And because obviously, like, we're 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 in the middle of like this massive river, but yeah. you don't really get to engage with the river Absolutely. other than other than you know going over like underneath the river or over the river, yeah, which is yeah. which must be quite disorientating for you. So I'm wondering how like you've been able to form how long you've been in London now for two years, three years, three years, three yeah. years. So um, how is that you know formulating your practice if your your practice has so much to do with mm. um, you know with the flow of water and understanding um, understanding essentially what is a massive source of life yeah 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 that's a good question um, quite complex for me I think London specifically for me it's always been marked by its lack of swimmable water so mm-hmm. even though the river is there I don't it's I see it as a sort of not a like body of water as I would see for example like Lake Bolton in Hungary yeah. or the sea around me in Inverness yeah like, there's something really sort of artificial about it in the sense that it's running through like millions of buildings and people and is like historically is so dirty and murky and just like bleh. yeah and almost like unattainable in yeah. a way like it's so vast and there's so much running on top of it anyways and as you said yeah the only glimpse of it we have is when we go over on the bus and i find that sort of almost like a lack so like a negative water space in the mm. sense that like for me london is characterized by the lack of water spaces basically mm, even though there is so much a water huge river. yeah 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 and and many sort of creeks and lakes and there's actually i took a really interesting uh tour walk a year ago it was basically walking quite a few miles from like mm, sort of midway point of London mm. all the way to Hampstead Heath and basically there's a river underneath the city that used to be open mm. so we walked tracing it like all to all up to Hampstead Heath up to Hampstead Heath yeah. where it starts like yeah. where it actually begins um, and that was really again kind of showing you how much is hidden underneath and for me that's what London is is like the lack of these certain spaces the lack of this essential and purifying not to to sound too romantic but yeah essential and purifying element um, which characterizes and shapes people like you know you know being from an island yeah, 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 okay, yeah. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, it's surrounded by water, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so um, also this is Something in the Way by mm. Nirvana, which is one of my favorite Nirvana songs as well. Yeah, um, so this is, this. there's a there's a lyric in this that says, underneath the bridge, um, like you can the eat tar- fish. The tarp has fish don't have, leaf. Yeah, because fish don't have feelings. feelings. And it, <laughs> for me, I, I feel as if, 
I mean, the way that I interpreted with what you're you're saying now is that this song also kind of looks at the state of London at the moment, because like, mm. like you know, we're surrounded by by essentially fish, but we can eat fish, but fish don't have feelings, and we can't really eat the fish that comes out of the Thames because mm. it's just like really disgusting. Um, but yeah, yeah um, but I also wanted to ask about um, your project at the Tate Modern by mm. the Bankside, because that was, you know, the tanks are quite near, the tanks are underneath, yeah, they're yeah, quite yeah. closer to the water than the rest of the yeah. building, mm-hmm. and you did a, you did a project there um, for Isabel Lewis called Kizomba Occasion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was called um, 21st Century Ritual, and I think that's yeah, yeah. when I was actually like, Oh my God, that's Agnes! I haven't yeah, seen her. Yeah, that's when we see each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the 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 project you did was based on smell, which is quite an ephemeral thing, which mm. I find is also quite connected to the idea of water because water is also like quite an ephemeral property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't you can't grab water. You know? That's so true. Yeah. So I was wondering um, what you can tell me about this project that you did and. Mm. Um, you know what you found quite special about it and whether yeah. it made a difference for you to ha- actually have to perform that underground yeah and so close to a water source essentially yeah that's really interesting point you're bringing um so this project um was really important to me really special um how shall i start i learned a lot from it mainly no let me start again basically it's something that i carry with me to this day so it's been a year and a half since we did this project it was 10 of us Mm -hmm. and we were working with isabel isabel is the choreographer Mm -hmm. um we're working closely with her underground Mm -hmm. and there was just so much to learn from her way of working, from her way of directing us and also from each other. She really selected uh, an amazing group of people, um, different ages, different abilities and like really, not in a tokenizing way, really in a way that she felt our energies and was like, okay, yeah. I want to work with you guys. Yeah. Um, and I think what why it touched me so much or why I learned so much from it was this complete immersion into the process and into this sort of in-between spaces of performance and non-performance mm. which is very much tied to the space yeah being being underground in this like cool vault for you know 10 hours a day yeah I didn't see daylight for two weeks like basically yeah <laughs> which is really strange but it kind of gets you into this into this kind of underground world like this damp underground like a well like a well yeah yeah, yeah. i really love your water theme running through this yeah. very very <laughs> nicely done um, and isabel worked a lot with ideas of audience spectatorship and sort of performing independence so like the independent our own independence in performing and basically what we did was sort of create these extremely sensual slow very specific movements mm. um, to kind of be in the space 
as audience and as performer, mm. which kind of hypnotized you with this layering music as well that was being created in time. Yeah. Um, and I remember performing and sort of really, I mean this happens every time I perform that you get lost in this, not lost, but you, you exist in a different way. Yeah. And yeah, that, that we were growing or becoming the performance as it was happening. Mm. And I don't know how that really answers your question. I'm sorry, I'm like going everywhere no, with this, it, but it, it, it's good. It's good. I'm following and actually yeah, cool. going off that um, going off that tangent of uh, the the energy between the people mm. and who was chosen. I mm. so I had seen Corbeau. Mm. Is, it, is that how it's pronounced? Corbeau, yeah. Corbeau, yeah, yeah. Um, which is another uh, another project that you did yeah. uh, again for the tape um, with Bukra Uz. Uh, yeah, Bukra Uz Gwen. Yeah. yeah. So I originally I had seen that performance in Beirut three years mm. ago, right? I haven't I didn't see you perform it with the group. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I imagine like I would like to hear more about this like the way that you went into that knowing that it's an all-female mm. um, an all-female kind of choreographed yeah. um, performance um, and then you know how that synergy between these different people I'm guessing from different backgrounds mm -hmm. managed to come mm -hmm. up together so a little yeah. bit of background Corbeau is um, a lot of sighing and a lot of um, shouting and yeah. moving together in the same directions yeah. in a space yeah. right yeah yeah um, so I was wondering how you felt I mean, how it was for you, firstly, practicing this, mm -hmm. like being able to, you know, because some of the some of the noises and some of the the movements are quite exaggerated and yeah, yeah. to to a certain degree quite nonsensical, right? So mm -hmm. I'm wondering how the how the rehearsal aspect of that, how intense how it, it was, yeah. it, whether it was intense, whether it just felt like a, you know, like a, a like a breath or mm -hmm. like a release rather mm -hmm. than. Something that I, you know, you have to practice over and over again to get until it's perfect. Okay. Yeah. You know, I think it was a mixture of both. Mm. But just before I get into that, I'd like to ask you: um, when you saw it in Beirut, did it have sort of many layers added to it, or like, because the one, the one that we did, the one that we did in London was very stripped back, simple, just yeah. one. A uh, circle of people, yeah. a circle of women, yeah. and yeah. and okay, <laughs> that's that's on record now. Um, <laughs> yeah, and one movement, so like repetition of one movement. It was one movement. Yeah, which was this kind of neck the, back and forth. Okay, um, the one that I saw in Beirut was uh, on a rooftop of a building overlooking the freeway. Mm. It was a 20-minute performance, but it was a lot of the movements. Mm -hmm, okay. Um, so I'm guessing you did a variation of it, essentially. Yeah. Or I think maybe... Yeah, or I guess Brewster by that point kind of worked on it mm. further. And, and, and that's how it was kind of mm. ending up. But I remember even in the audition, she was saying, it might be this, it might be that. So, mm. like, I guess, you know, whatever it was, it, it was. Um... Just going back to your question. Yeah, how did the energy feel? Sorry, we were just listening to um, the Noctur Nocturne in C Sharp by Chopin, and we're about to move on to Dan Baudin, uh, a song called DP. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so it was entirely different to to the Tate. Like, if yeah. there could be an opposite, that was that. Yeah. Um, firstly, there was this cultural thing about it, which is Bushra's company. Yeah, they're is, Moroccan, right? Yeah, they're yeah. Moroccan. They're uh, women, they're older women mm -hmm. uh, who have done many things in life but one of them is perform, perform mm -hmm. in different aspects. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to kind of go into something I don't really know about. Okay. Their history was with performance but in a different way as we know it. So okay. like kind of comedians and yeah. um, whalers and all these things. Yeah. So they had this very just like breathtaking force okay. in their personalities and everything. They didn't speak English and we didn't speak Arabic, so yeah. that was immediately this sort of like, kind of, almost a tension, because we were so different from each other. Yeah. Like, How was the casting for that? How is casting in general when you go into these things? Well, I think it's... I think it's totally up to the choreographer yeah. and what they see yeah. and how they feel like that can okay. work for them. Okay. You've also um, choreographed um, a project for the Trinity Lavan called uh, Too Broke to Learn. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, yeah, yeah. so you have also uh, been a performer, but you've also choreographed. Yeah. And yeah. I remember you mentioning earlier with Isabel Lewis at that project that it felt like you had maybe taken a lot from her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think the Trinity Laban project that you choreographed was after was before before that, that. Yeah, yeah but i'm wondering as a choreographer mm. as well which is something that you clearly also like to do how that how performing is also a way of learning about choreography for oh, you yeah. and if you can tell me a little bit about too broke to learn as well yeah okay i'll try to wrap it up all in a neat package uh so yeah absolutely as a performer you are at least for me i love to learn and i like i think i i learn a lot and fast mm. but yeah with every performance opportunity that i've had it's been an opportunity also to sort of absorb different ways of working yeah. from people who are way more experienced than i am and way more knowledgeable yeah. I, i would like to think um and see how things work so in in a group so One, for example, I'm doing a project now with Hagechi Akira, mm -hmm. who's a brilliant choreographer. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things I'm learning is how she communicates with everyone. So there's 40 people in this project, which is the biggest amount of people I've ever been with. 40. Wow. Yeah. And you should come, by the way. And uh, yeah, the way that she talks to us, it, it's kind of primes you for then responding in movement or mm. collaborating with each other yeah. and kind of for me to to be part of that of that group and receive instructions and see how she makes decisions and yeah communicates her needs is um, is not only a privilege but also just a great 
way to see how could I do that? How could how would I do it? And obviously it will be different. It's different with every single person. Mm. Um, but yeah, the more I work with experienced choreographers, the more I understand there's certain ways of getting people to connect with themselves or give you something. Mm. Um, I'm not going to tell you the secret. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and. I guess that comes with practice as well, as choreographer and as a performer. Okay. So being a performer really helps you to know then when you're choreographing, um, how people feel when you're interacting with them yeah. and working with them, etc. And what was the other thing that you were talking about? Uh, too broke to learn. That was. Oh, yeah. That this is. Um, by the way, we we're nearing the end, and I'm wondering if there's a specific song that you would like to listen to again or would like to mm. talk about whilst you do a little drawing um, yeah I think uh, I would like to play again Conan Osiris okay uh, cool just because I'm recently really into that song and it's just so wonderful so. okay yeah so um, Too Broke to Learn yeah it was your first choreography project or no uh, it was the first kind of public one okay so cool. the one that we would present to different people yeah. coming to see it and stuff so um, yeah it was a great I don't know I think that was the first time in my life when I was really surprised when I really surprised myself and yeah and how good I can be, yeah, you know, which it's it's pride, right? Yeah, I feel... I didn't feel pride in that way. I just when it ended, um, I was kind of like, wow, okay, I've been working really hard, and I have something special about me. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I, you know, I never really thought about that. Before. Was it the interaction that you had with the performer that made you, or a feedback that the performer gave you yeah. as well as that was part of it? So it was two performers, okay. one non, non-trained dancer and one very trained dancer, okay. uh, who then struck a really amazing relationship between them. So mm. it was really good to work, the three of us. And yeah, it was their feedback, uh, this relationship we all had, and the feedback I got from my tutors as well. Yeah. Um, and my work compared to other colleagues of mine. Okay. So me really seeing like, okay, you know, this, this is, is the level where I'm at. And, this is good. And that's good. Yeah. You know, like I have something different okay. to show. Um, yeah, and it kind of like gave me a flavor of how my style is or how I can work. Obviously, or how it's far been... you can go. Exactly, and I know I can go further. Uh, yeah. But it was amazing to be to have space in an inst- to be in an institutional context in which we have studios, we have people working with lights, and we have tutors accompanying mm. us and stuff. Uh, obviously, I don't have that anymore, so it's completely different. But it's freeing in other ways mm. as well to work independently. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there are things that, obviously, with hindsight, maybe I would have done differently. Um, and I think for sure I have developed as a choreographer. I I don't want to say choreographer, but more like visual selector. That's how okay. I see. All right that editing process when you're choreographing yeah, so yeah, really yeah. seeing how an image works and develops and 
how there are different relationships in the space and okay. kind of, yeah, how do they feel? So, um, you're, so we're gonna have to wrap up now. Yeah. Um, do you want to tell me? You told me that you would, you know, it would be nice to see you at the Haikiti Akira mm-hmm. uh, performance. When is that happening? When is so it opening? That's Where? very, very soon actually. Uh, it's on the 26th of July um, at Laban, so okay. the Laban Theatre in okay. the grounds. And it's a site specific installation performance, like okay. performance. Um, and it's very st- early stages in the in the so project. It's so it's a research, research sharing that keeps that will growing. keep growing. Yeah, and uh, it's yeah, twenty sixth of July in Deptford, Laban. I think at seven o'clock. Okay. Cool. I'll make sure to put that up in the description as well. Mm. Um, so one last song whilst you draw on the Nirvana album cover. Mm. Which one? Which song would you like to hear again? Well, I guess for the purpose of drawing on the cover, probably Nirvana. Okay. Yeah. All right. So do you also want to tell me why this song is so close to your heart? But I mean, ah! there's so many great like Nirvana songs, you know, like All Apologies is also up there mm. for me. Yeah, yeah, great song. Yeah. Uh, I think this is one of the songs that, I mean, I was massively into Nirvana as a teenager, as I'm sure you were as well and mm. many other people. Um, this was one of these songs that, just the simplicity of it. I think it's only got two chords yeah. in the song and very sort of monotonal singing from Kurt. Yeah. And for me, I think that feeling that he brings to it, I don't know, just this gentleness and yeah. It feels quite, it, it's gentle and tender, but it also feels quite tortured. You know, mm. but like tortured in the most like artistic, melancholic way possible. <laughs> yeah, you know. So you're kind of applying a sort of uh, Kurt Cobain storyline into that. You know how he is this tortured soul. Yeah, this tortured soul. I mean, there's loads of um, there's loads of like uh, myths or uh, rumors about how the song came about. Mm. Uh, like that, you know, he was he was kicked out of the house. He was homeless for a while. He used to live under a bridge. I mean, he didn't used to live under a bridge, you know. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of like narrative storytelling behind the actual song itself. But yeah, the song yeah. itself only has two chords and essentially, you know, one chorus and one verse that's just, you know, yeah. repeated. Absolutely. Um, and also the lyrics. Mm. The lyrics, I think, has always been something that. Yeah. Just the, the sort of sarcasm in the. It's okay to eat fish, they don't have any feelings. Yeah. I've always been like, yes, Kurt, you get it. You get like, it, man. You, you are so there. Do you remember the first time you heard this song? Not the first time. I actually, maybe, I, yeah, I was, I was about 15 years old. But I don't know how I got hold of it because this was like pre music streaming. Yeah. Pre, no Spotify. Pre internet, really, almost. Yeah. Um, probably a CD or something like that. I think it was a CD. Yeah. Um, and I don't play guitar, by the way, but 
This was one of the only songs. This is the only two chords I know, and it's Hello. because of this song. Yeah. How to play it on the guitar. And someone taught me in New Zealand. These are the two chords you need to know for this song. Yeah. And so it kind of. When I was traveling in New Zealand, I was like always practicing these two chords. Okay. I think cool. that's why I built such a close relationship to this yeah. song as well. It was your. Uh, it was your companion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I think really. I, you know, I had a, obviously like a teenage obsession um, about Kurt, and I think I always felt really intimate in this song. Mm. Like, I don't know. I think he really draws you in, mm. and the instrumental also. Mm. Yeah, and it's kind of like a slowed down Beatles song. You know, at least that's how I see. Kind of, that's how I hear Nirvana. Is this sort of like distorted, slowed down Beatles and Christian singing and stuff, which is actually how they yeah. kind of work.